So, if the people that know you the best ask who you are, what would they say? Hang on, if you were here Thursday night, you can't answer any questions today. <laughs> this is a tie-on to something we talked about Thursday night, and God told me to keep it going and go a little deeper. So the question again is, if people that know you the best were asked who you are, what would they say about you? Nobody knows? What do they say about you, Chris? Hard worker? You sure they'd say that? Hard worker? I'm working on that. Hard worker? What else would they say about you? Go ahead, Daniel. Jesus follower, good job. What else do they say about you, Chris? Landscaper, father, what's that? Enthusiast, coach, right? So if somebody asked about you, they would, have, if somebody, they, they would know things about you, right? What about somebody else? What would they say about you, John? Daddy? The surgeon, right? Doctor? What was that? Crazy Cajun? He wears that badge with honor that we gave him. What about some of you guys? What Would people that know you the best, would they immediately know how to describe you? Maybe sometimes it's not good things they would describe you as, but they would describe you, right? They would be able to. It's sort of the question, what are you most known for? All right? Take a little risk here. If someone were to ask, someone were to ask you about me, what would you say? Now, hang on, Daniel. You're, you're stealing my punchlines, man. <laughs> what would they say about me? Preacher? Jesus teacher? Jesus teller, I'll take it. What else? What would you say? What defines me? Encourager, okay, thank you. So far, they're nice. Gray hair, thank you. It's called wisdom, thank you. Orange mic, huh? Yeah, it has multiplied a lot in the last couple of years. So there was a time when people would ask Wendy who her husband was, and she'd say, it's Jason. And they would go, oh, yeah, yeah, we know him, Right? So there are things about us that people associate with us that define who we are, right? Sometimes it's looks-based, sometimes it's how we act, sometimes it's what we do. We all have things that become, the word I'm going to use is our identity. Starts at birth, actually before birth, right? What do you get before birth usually? A name. You get a name. That's where it all starts. I get a name and I get a gender, we're not going there for that discussion today. You get a gender, <laughs> male or female, okay? We know that in the womb usually. If, if not in the womb, if people want to be surprised, which I don't think that happens anymore, we at least know at birth, right? And then we go from baby to toddler to child. We pick up some other labels that form our identity, right? What are some of those labels? Teacher. 
terror. <laughs> got the right crowd. Maybe we say, oh, they're a good kid. Or they're a terror. Right? Or maybe we say, wow, this kid has such good manners. Or this kid's a spoiled brat. Right? Don't start naming names on me here. This kid doesn't mind at all. Golly, this kid starved for attention. You know, we hear these things, we get a name, we get a gender, but then we start adding on to it. And you can be an adult, and your mom and dad will say things like, oh, he's he's a terrible kid. Right? You don't really shed that label. You may change that label, but you don't shed it. It continues on. Then we go to high school. Oh, my gosh, what happens in high school? You're either an athlete or you're not, right? You're What's that? You're a nerd or an athlete, right? You start carrying these new labels. Smart, dumb, artsy, or weird, or whatever. Dumb, troublemaker, nosy, and we start picking up more labels. Class clown, that's a good one. And then mate, drama queen, I heard that one. Bully, see, we start picking up these labels. It's easy for us to identify. People start picking up these labels that start to identify them, and they wear them. Maybe we pick up a label of lazy, or maybe we pick up a, a, a label of that kid can't sit still. He's got ADHD, right? Don't worry about him. He's on meds. We pick up all these labels, right? Then we get to adulthood, and we've got this identity that's formed and these labels on us, and sometimes they're good and oftentimes they're not so good, right? And then we go to college or we start a trade or we become a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. I've known a few of those. I wanted that position, never got it. And then we get other definitions like we honored three college girls. Or Chris is a landscaper by trade. Or so-and-so is a stay-at-home mom. That's just the nature of our society. Or Ryan's a CPA. I identified him last week as a CPA. We carry these labels. So our labels create our identity, right? And we start to carry things. And then it gets worse because people start throwing out stuff like, she's a control freak. He's got anger issues. Somebody's quick-tempered. They're shy. They're backward, they're introverted, extroverted, hypochondriac, they're full of self-pity. Do you guys hear this in our society? We give these people labels. Go ahead, Jeff, you got one. (laughs) And maybe because of some really bad things that have happened in our past, we start carrying some other identity issues like we're too far gone or we're just worthless. So the point is we start before birth. And then up to adulthood, we are getting and gaining an identity, whether we want it or not. People are going to talk about us. People are going to say things that may be true, maybe not be true. And they will spend more time giving you an identity than trying to help you fix the things that may be broken. Okay? I want you to hang on to that for a minute. So where does this identity come from? Bad people? Or our parents, and our friends, and our family, and our schoolmates, 
our society. See, it's easy to go, oh, man, all these bad labels that come from society. I heard something the other day, and the girl said, you know, when I was in school, there were just two genders, but now there's over 100. Last year, there were 60-something. More labels. More confusion. But here's the problem. We can think easily about how messed up our society is, but the reality is we get a lot of those labels from the people that take care of us. Our families, our friends, parents. So it's going to be a little challenging to you parents and grandparents here today, okay? Sometimes we start taking on this label of I'm not good enough. Anybody ever dealt with that? We've talked about that before called rejection. Maybe it happened or Satan just wants us to think it happened, but we start taking on this label that I'm just not good enough no matter what I do, so I might as well give up. Sometimes we earn our identity this bad. Sometimes it's just given to us, and sometimes we're in between. And I think you can all agree we have a world right now of a ton of people trying to figure out who they are. They're confused. They don't like the labels they got that may have been good labels like male and female, and they want to change those labels. So why did I play the video? Because we all got it. A name is given, and we automatically start thinking something about somebody. It's a joke. I get it. But we do that. You ever seen a kid that's got a biblical name, they ain't acting so biblical, and you're like, man, their parents didn't have a whole lot of Holy Spirit guidance on that. That kid ain't acting like Boaz or whoever else. <laughs> What's that? Don't say it. <laughs> oh, but then we got these new things that we want to carry labels like woke. Sue said this next generation. This next generation is important. And what is society doing? They're trying to tell you to be cool to be woke, which means destroying our society. Gender confused. Boys are called girls. Girls are called boys. Are you pro-life? Are you pro-abortion? LBGTQ+. We keep adding letters to it because it's so confused. Oh, let's throw religion into it because that was in the video too. Um, we don't say things like I'm a Jesus follower. We say I'm a Catholic. I'm Islamic. Or for those of you that didn't get the BYU joke, it's Mormon. Or I'm just spiritual. Or maybe we say I'm a Christian. So good, bad, or indifferent, we have things that make up our identity. Identity is defined as a fact of being who or what a person is. That's the definition of identity, a fact of who you are. So if I put a label on you that you're terrible, that you're awful, it becomes the fact that we live by, Right? And that's the problem. It's what defines us. It's who we are. Sometimes it's something we got to prove. I, I did a little joke with the youth the other night, and I was like, what is, what's my name? And I said my name, and I had each of them say their name. And then I got out my license and said, all right, I'm going to prove my name. Now you prove yours. So sometimes it's things that we have to prove. You want to go vote? You got to prove it, right? <laughs> At least hopefully. If you have to, sometimes we have to prove who we are. It's something that defines us. We have to prove, and sometimes it's just what others say about us or what we believe about ourselves. I mean, think about it. What do you do? You're all Southerners, right? What do you do when somebody says, well, they're a Northerner? <sighs> There's a connotation that comes with it. Immediately, you're judging that person, and Northerners are judging Southerners. I could go on and on and on and on. 
but we form opinions about other people based on what we hear about them, sometimes more than what we know about them. Some are healthy, some are not. Maybe we find our identity as a kid in a sport we play, or maybe as a parent we find our identity in our kid being good in a sport. Maybe we find our identity in what we wear. I got a Jesus shirt on, right? Got my identity in my shirt. Got my what would Jesus do bracelet on that Tatum gave me last week. It's my identity. Jesus, you should see that and know that I'm a Christian, right? Sometimes we get our identity in what we do for a living. Sometimes we get our identity in our grades, good or bad. I was really good in school. I was really not good in school. Sometimes we get our identity in our intelligence. Sometimes we get it in our failures. Sometimes it's our successes. Sometimes we get it in money. Sometimes we get it in the cars we drive. Sometimes we get it in our hobbies that we do. And again, some of these are good. Some of these are bad. And then there's the question of who in here doesn't have a clue who they are. I'm so confused. I've been through so much. I've been told so much. I've been told I should be this person, but I don't feel like that person, and I just don't know who I am. True confusion of identity. Okay? Sometimes we can see people wearing something and identify what they are. So we see a guy walking around with a black uniform on and a badge and a gun. What do we, what do we assume? Police officer, right? Okay? Uh, what if you see a guy walking down the road and he's got camouflage on and a helmet and he's carrying a machine gun? Military, right? What if the guy walks in and he's got a lab coat on and a stethoscope around his neck? Doctor, right? But let me ask you a question. Just because you're wearing that doesn't mean you are that, right? It could be a Halloween costume dress-up party, Right? So I'm getting to a point here. Sometimes we have a label that has been put on to us, but even if we have a good label, sometimes we have to prove that we are what we say we are. Okay? Here's what's sad. Daniel jumped the gun on me because he was here Thursday night and he already heard this. But when we ask people who we are, and we ask people to describe us. How many people describe us first and foremost as a Jesus follower? That one ought to hit home a little bit. How many of us are defined by the people we know first and foremost as a Jesus follower? We may hear things like the other night we talked about Lisa is a servant. That is a quality of being a Christ follower, and she is fantastic at doing that. But do we hear people say, that person's a Jesus follower? That's my challenge to you this morning, is where is your identity? What have you allowed people to put on you for your identity? What have you put on yourself? What are you accepting? Because we might need to start shedding some of this stuff. We might need to start setting aside some of these things the world has told us, and we may need to start finding our identity in Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a good cliche term, right? We got to start acting it too and proving it, okay? So would you rather be known for loving people, being kind, standing up for what's right, or be known for what you do, how much money you make, and whether or not you're a good student or you're good in sports 
So the first question is, what are you going to allow to become your identity? And the second question is, who are you going to allow to put that identity into you? Because I want you to think. I want you to think hard this morning. If you didn't answer out loud, think about what people would say about you. I think we'll start to realize that a lot of times we allow the definition of us to be rooted in some worldly and some selfish things, if we're just going to be honest. And we need to be defined by something not worldly but heavenly, right? All right, so I'm going to give you four things this morning that God has shown me. I could go through Scripture and give you all kinds of things that I want to be my identity, but I'm going to give you four. Four things that God has shown me that are going to define who I am. These, these four things are going to be the base, and everything else is going to build off that. The first one, right in the first chapter of the Bible, I am made in God's image. I am made. I am made. I am created in God's image. Daniel, tell me what your, tell me what your identity is. Amen. See, you may not have heard that. You may not have heard him, but we're going to go through it. But he didn't say, I'm a baseball player. I'm getting homeschooled. I'm a son of Chris and Paige. I'm a brother of Brooks, Faith, and Uriah. No, he gave me four answers out of Scripture of what his identity is. So number one, Genesis 1:27. so God created human beings in his own image. He didn't say he created some, not others, but we are created in the image of God. That's number one identity for me. Yes, I'm a father. Yes, I'm a business owner. Yes, I'm a preacher. Yes, I'm a husband. But before all that, I'm creating God's image. Number two. To all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Because I believe in him, I am a child of God. I am made in God's image, and I am a child of God. Doesn't that sound a lot better than, uh, he was a troubled child. <laughs> He's a troubled adult. <laughs> He's quick-tempered. He gets angry easy. I hope nobody says any of those about me. But I don't want you to carry those today. Drop those today and start picking up these identities. Number three. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. There is a power in you. You're created in God's image. You're a child of God because you believe. And there's a power that lives in you that raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> I have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and it lives in me. Number four. You guys, if you've been in here more than a month or so, you know you're going to hear this verse over and over. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone, not the first disciples, the first apostles, the first generation of Christians, anyone who believes in me, Jesus will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So because I believe in Jesus, I will do the same and greater works than he did. There's my identity right there. This is my identity. This is who I am. When someone says, who is your preacher, say, he is creating God's image. He is a child of God. 
He has a spirit that lives in him that raised Jesus from the dead, and he will do the same and greater things than Jesus. And when somebody says, who is Chris? I'm going to say, he is a child of God. He is created in God's image. He has a power that lives in him that raised Jesus from the dead, and he's going to do the same things as Jesus and greater because Jesus gave him that authority. So I'm challenging you this morning. And I'm going to leave this up for the rest of the day. Put this in your phone. Put this in your brain. Somebody who was here Thursday night, tell me who you are. Yes! <laughs> Can I share something from Thursday night, Brooks? It'll be a little personal. You okay? Do you know what she said Thursday night when we started? And I asked the question, are some of y'all confused about who you are? She said, I am. Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days later, here's her identity. Praise Jesus. And thank you for letting me share that. Guys. This needs to be your identity. This supersedes your grades. This supersedes if you're a good or bad kid. Because if you start believing in this image, maybe some other things will start falling into place. Do I want people to hang out with me because I'm smart or because I'm a good father or because I'm a good business owner? No, I want them to hang out with me because they see something in my identity that they want. And that's my challenge for each of you. I told you earlier, these are going to be the four things that are a foundation. I am a father, but I'm going to father out of these four things. I am a pastor, but I'm going to try my best to pastor out of these four things. I am a business owner. I'm going to try to do weddings out of these four things. I'm a husband. I'm going to try to lead Wendy out of these four things and show my sons how to do that. Don't define me by those things. Define me by these things. And I'm begging you to get your arms around this. There's many other things we could have put up here. These are just the four God gave me. Can you imagine if I put all of my identity into being a pastor, what my life would look like? What happens when I feel like God has given me a clear message and I give that message and someone gets up, walks out, sends me an email later in the week and says, that was not from God. It happens. More than you would like to know. And what does Satan do? He starts churning in my brain. Man, what was that? So Satan's goal is I start taking on the identity that something's wrong, right? And it's easy to go there. Or I can come back to this. If I am humble and I'm doing everything God asked me to do and I'm doing it with this is my identity, I'm going to keep trusting him, not the person that's so hurt they're just looking for a reason to dislike another church and another pastor. And guess what? I can take that to father. I can take that to baseball coach. I'll give you an example of baseball. I got conned into coaching a baseball team because they had to have another team to complete the league. I've never coached baseball. I've assistant coached, but I'm going to tell you there's a difference in head coach and assistant coach. I show up to get my team roster, and I was out of town when they selected the team. And the guy at the league says, there's four teams in the league. 
there's three that have a chance to win games. And I went, I'm, I'm not one of those, am I? And he went, no. Awesome. But I want to do good for the kids, right? So now I'm going to take my identity in being their coach, and I'm going to start screaming at them when I know that my talent level may be a little low, right? Because that's what the world would do. No. I sat the kids and the parents down, and I said, I don't know if we're going to win games or lose games. I want to win as much as the next guy, but I'm more interested in taking these next six to eight weeks and investing in your sons. Why? Because my identity's here. My identity is not winning a baseball game. It's not in winning and being a good coach. My identity is rooted here. So what can I give these kids to help them find their identity? So I said, hey, kids, I'm going to ask for two things. Give me everything you got. Give me effort. And give me encouragement. Don't talk down to your other players when they strike out, when they miss a play. Just give me encouragement to them to tell them they're gonna, they can do it again. We go out and we lose our first three games. stupid right it's baseball but I get a parent that comes up to me and says do you think you're doing the right thing with the kids yeah because this is my identity my identity is not rooted in whether I can get your kid to win a baseball game my identity is rooted here and I'm gonna do everything I can to help your child oh by the way I heard you screaming at your child and I'm not gonna talk to him like that and this guy's a preacher by the way okay so, we actually won a game Friday night. <laughs> it's not my identity, but dead gumming it felt good. <laughs> I'm a child of God. I am made in God's image. I have a power in me that rose Jesus from the dead. Jesus gave me authority to do everything he did, and that's hard to get my arms around. And that will define everything in my life, hopefully. But is it enough for me to simply say the words I just said? Is it enough for I got to dress up like a policeman? Or I got to dress up like a military guy? Or I got to dress up or a young lady to dress up like a doctor? Does dressing the part make it true? Again, I'm wearing my Jesus shirt, my WWJD bracelet. Right, right. Sometimes people are more interested in putting on their Jesus shirt and puffing their chest out with it than showing the people they come in contact with Jesus. Okay, did this bracelet keep me from losing my temper once this week? Yes, because I looked at it and I went, well, Jesus wouldn't do what I'm about to do. <laughs> so tell Tatum thank you, she saved my identity this week <laughs> our actions have to prove it and we have to show it not just our actions here comes the kicker our words what comes out of our mouth has to show what our identity is if we are going to say we have these things and when I'm wrong I have to be willing to change it and so do you So, what's my identity? Is it enough to just say it? No, i got to prove it. But the next question is, who am I going to let define my identity? Who do we as a culture let define our identity? That's a perfect world answer. 
You said Jesus, but that's not the reality. Who do we let define us? Sometimes everything but Jesus. So I got two people I'm going to receive from. Two things, I'm sorry. Two things I'm going to allow to define my identity. Number one, it's called the Holy Bible. And some of us need to start reading it a little bit more. Number two, people that are rooted in the same identity as me. If a hurt person comes up to me and tries to hurt me, I have to realize they're not rooted where I am. I can try to coach them, teach them, help them, pray for them, but I can't take on the identity they're trying to give me because they're so hurt. But if someone who is one of my mentors that's in this room that I know is rooted in the same place as I am comes up to me and says something, then I'm going to take it seriously and ask God if I need to correct some things, right? So there's two places. Scripture, you got to read it. You can't rely on what I tell you. I'm only going to give you three or four or five scriptures a Sunday. You got to read it. You got to read it. This is not a religious statement. This is, if you're going to get your identity from it, you got to read it and know what it says. And then don't let people give you an identity unless you know where their identity is rooted and it's rooted in things like this. Does it have to be these four? No. But it needs to be things rooted in Jesus if you're going to let them give you an identity. Too many of us are allowing our culture, our society, our parents, our friends. Maybe we got friends that aren't in the same spiritual place that we are and or that we want to be. And we hang out with them because Jesus hung out with sinners. But then the negative is we're allowing them to influence what we think about ourselves. Well, like I've said twice, maybe it's just somebody's hurt. A couple years ago, I was spending time counseling a young man, and he was in bad shape. He was in really, really bad shape. He had gone sort of crazy. And his mother asked me if I would work with him, and I was like, yes, I will. And so I would go to his house because he wouldn't leave his house. He was so paranoid he would not leave his house. And for months, I went once a week and went into his nasty house and tried to love on him where he was, and we started making progress. It took time. There's probably a whole sermon in there about patience and having taking time and not expecting immediate results, right? Something our society struggles with. But I finally got him to agree to go to Starbucks one day. I kid you not. He agreed to go. He said, you go on out to the truck. I'll be out there in a minute. I went out and stood at my truck for 45 minutes while I waited on him. He came, he got in the truck. We well, went to get in the truck, and he opened the door, and he put his foot up, and he stopped, and he locked up. And I'm staying there with my hand on him, praying over him, binding up fear. He gets in the truck. This is another 15, 20 minutes. It was so bad that a friend of mine passed by, saw all this, and called me and said, Are you okay? Is everything okay? Do you need help? We go to Starbucks. He won't get out of the truck because he is convinced that somebody's going to kill him between the truck and Starbucks and back. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of insight into how messed up this guy had become. You want to know where it happened? Seminary. He was in seminary. And he had so many bad things put into his head at that particular place, it ruined him. 
Okay? Here's the good news. Over time, it got better, and it got better, and it got better, and he started coming off his meds. And then one day, his mom called me, and she said, I know he's doing good. I know he's coming off his meds, but I am freaking out that this isn't going to last. We're going to up his dosages again. And I said, please don't. I begged her. She said, we're going to do it. So I asked for a meeting with her and her husband. I went and sat down with her and her husband. And I said, we're making progress. Do you not see it? Yes, we see it, but we're scared. Okay, well, you need to fight your fear. I'm trying to invest in them. I'm trying to walk them through it. And they said, I don't care. We're going to up his dosage. And I said, then I can no longer help your son because you're going against everything I'm doing. She proceeded to tell me, you call yourself a Jesus follower. You are from Satan. You, you never have been saved. And she ripped me a new one. But she didn't just rip me a new one. She told me all these nasty things. And I walked out of there and I was like, I ain't letting that define me. Okay? But I had to make that decision. Six months later, she called me asking for advice of how to help her son. Why do I tell you that story? Sometimes people are broken and they're hurt. And they want you to hurt with them because misery loves company. And they're going to try to put that identity on you. But if you're rooted here, you have a better chance of stepping back and saying, I'm not going to accept that today. I'm just not going to accept that today because this is who I am. And it may hurt and I may shed tears and I may, I may get depressed. I may feel bad, but I'm going to stay rooted here. And we're going to come back out of it and keep doing what God's asking me to do. What is your identity? Who are you allowing to define your identity, to define your identity? And here's the final question of the day. Whose identity are you influencing? See, some of us have spent a lot of time getting the wrong identity put into us, but some of us are spending a lot of time putting the wrong identity into the kids and the grandkids and the people that we influence, the coworkers, etc. How many of you in here are parents? Grandparents bosses. Wait, I kept my hand up at grandparents. I'm not a grandparent. <laughs> I may have gray hair, but I'm not a grandparent. Little league coaches in ministry. In other words, a lot of you are in places of authority, right? And you may be having a bigger influence on people than you realize. Yesterday, we go to baseball for pictures. Kids are running everywhere. It's picture day. We're in a gym. What are they going to do? And there's these little kids about this tall, and their coach is screaming at them. If you don't sit down, you're going to run laps and blah, 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 blah. My kids aren't doing that. But they're just as wild three weeks ago. What's the difference? Am I screaming at them, or am I telling them how good they are? When they strike out, it's okay, buddy. You got it next time. Don't take for granted those little moments you have in your life when you are in authority as a coach. And it's easy to say in ministry, but a coach, a parent, as a parent, it is your number one responsibility to put this identity in your children. Ryan talked about it last week. If we're going to discipline our kids, discipline is not punishment. Discipline is teaching. Okay, did you guys get that last week? We think discipline is whipping or time out. Discipline is teaching. It's where we get the word disciple from. They come from the same Greek word. We need to be teaching our kids, our grandchildren. What if your kids aren't teaching your grandchildren, but you can as a grandparent, right? These kids are gravitating toward me, not their parents, because I'm speaking life to them when their parents aren't. And that's all I'm asking you guys to do.
We all have somebody we're influencing. I know what my identity is. Sometimes I have to fight some of the worldly things that come at me. I know who's allowed to influence it, and I know that I have a responsibility to prove my identity to others. But you saw the impact in three days of somebody just taking a piece of paper home with these four things on it. And I challenge every one of them, be ready Sunday to talk about these things. And this morning, Parker came to me and said all four. Peyton came to me and said all four. Lisa walked in the door and said all four. Daniel came in and said all four. You just heard Brooks. Faith can say all four. Do you get it, guys? We have to invest in this next generation that Sue talked about, and we have to teach them who they are, not just my identities in Christ. These are the specific things, and then you've got to show it to them. I've got one more thing I'm going to talk about. Elijah brought this up the other night, and I thought it was very profound, and it just had to do with our words, and we've talked about that before. We've given you scripture. Our words have the ability to bring life or death, but our words also show what's in our heart. So if I tell you I'm rooted in Christ and my words are reflecting otherwise, I'm showing you where my heart is versus where I said it was. Does that make sense? The words that come out of my mouth, they're going to show you what's in my heart. James talks about it, a small bit in a horse's mouth. Small bit steers a giant animal. Rudder of a ship, little bitty piece of wood or metal, steers the whole ship. Spark that sets a forest fire. And then he says in James 3, 9, sometimes it praises our Lord. He's talking about our tongue. It praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and curses come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. When you are putting the wrong identity into someone, you're usually doing it with your mouth. James is saying your tongue is supposed to be used to bless others, to give them a good identity, not to curse them. So as I end this morning, I'm going to challenge you. What is your identity? What is your identity? What would your friends say about you? And if it's not these four, this is a good start. Number two, do your actions back up who you say you are? Who are you allowing to define your identity? And who are you putting labels and identity onto? So I'm going to pray, and then Peyton's going to come up here and play one last song. That song is called No Longer Slaves. The reason I chose for him to play that song is it reinforces number two. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Maybe that's a place, if you don't know any of these, and that's where you want to get started. So, Peyton, if you'll come on up here, I'm going to pray for us. Father, help us today to examine ourselves. Help us to examine who we are, where we find our worth. Maybe it's labels that have been cast onto us by others that we need to shed this morning. Father, I'm asking that you help people to shed those labels if they're not good. Father, maybe it's labels we've taken on because of our past actions. Help us to see that your blood covered all that, Jesus. And we can wash away those labels, whether they were put on us because of our actions or put on us when we didn't deserve it. Either way, you came to save the captive, and the prisoner.
The captive was put there when they didn't deserve it. The prisoner was put there because they did something to deserve it. Jesus, your word says you came to save both. And so today, if someone's carrying an identity that was put on they don't deserve, help them to shed it. But if they're carrying an identity they feel like they deserve because of their past, help them shed it. Father, help us start to see a new identity that we prove to people. I am made in God's image. And I want to show people that. God, your image is to love and to be gentle and to be kind and to be patient. And those are the things I want to carry that show your image. Father, help them to take on the label of I am a child of God because I believe in Jesus. Some of us didn't have good parents. Some of us have dirty things that happen in our lives with families. But today we get to claim that we are a child of you, almighty God. Father, I thank you that you gave us a power that lives in us. You promised us it's a power, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I thank you for that power. Help us to embrace that identity to have that power. And Jesus, you gave us authority to do what you did, to heal, to cast out demons. So many more things. And we don't think we can do anything you did, but you said anyone who believes in me will do these things. So today I carry that identity. And Father, I'm asking that the people in this room will take on this new identity. In Jesus' name, amen.